Turning to the Acts of the Apostles again this morning, and to the chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. Trust the Lord will minister to you this morning as we meet in the house of God and hear his word and then remember him around his table. Acts chapter 2 again this morning and we're reading from the verse 37 down to 47. These are the probably the most precious, most important scriptures for the church of Jesus Christ in these days. Scriptures that are very neglected. The cornerstone of the whole church business, the foundation, being laid here in this first New Testament church. And we'll be tightest if we don't obey it. Because if we don't build on this, we go astray. And many have gone astray because they haven't built on these truths that we have here this morning. And we're at verse 37, and the reaction <clears throat> to the people when they heard the message uh, that Peter preached in the verses before it. In verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked. That word pricked is stabbed in the heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? You don't hear m- many speaking like that after preaching now. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. On the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Let me read that again. And fear, fear. Friend, if there was a fear of God in this house, there wouldn't be a chatter and match like it was going on this morning when I got up in this pulpit. There wouldn't be. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They did their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And we know the Lord will bless to us this public reading and declaring of this truth to his heart. Imagine, oh, just imagine, 3,000 souls being saved and joining the local church in one day. What obedience that was to the word that was speaking, repent and be baptized. Imagine house to house in the whole vicinity and area, the tables were spread with bread, wine and meat was being served upon them. What fellowship that would have been. Imagine thousands praying and praising and singing with an intense hunger and longing to hear the word of God and the doctrines of the apostles. What worship that would have been. Imagine scores of families selling their property and possessions and laying the funds at the apostles' feet. What tithing. Imagine the signs and the wonders, the healings of the bodies and the healings of the mind and the demonic powers being cast out. What power. If what we have read here just this morning and other mornings, if this is not revival, if this is not restoration and renewal and refreshing, then I don't know what is. If this is not the severing and the smashing of the old Pharisaical legalistic system of the day, I don't know what is. If this is not heaven coming down, and saturating a district, and a community, and a neighborhood. I don't know what is. What a mighty revival portion of Scripture the early church started out on. What a mighty move of God it was birthed on, and continued to, year after year. And this all came about here suddenly, one morning after the preaching of the message by an unlearned and ignorant Galilean fisherman who 43 days or that before it was, was blaspheming the name of Christ, who 43 days before that was a backslidden state and saying, I know not the man. And the power of God came upon him. Do you know you could read his message in five minutes? And the response and the result and the reaction to this message is incredible. And it's described in verses 37 where down there which we have read. That's the reaction to the power of the gospel preached by this man. Because it says when they heard this, they were stabbed in their heart. That word means that they were penet- that the sword was penetrated to the very hilt, the sword of the word of God. You see, the sword, the sword has two functions. It stabs and it slashes. 
And the stab's the first thing. It goes in and it was a two-edged sword and it was twisted. And that's when the pain came. That's when the cry came. That's when the roar came. What shall we do? Now what was it in this powerful, spirit-filled message that provokes such a weighty response and reaction? And it's nothing else, my friend, nothing else. And you go through these verses, of, you go through this chapter, nothing else but the pure, unadulterated preaching of the gospel in power. 3,000 souls were saved in one message. Now we have 3,000 messages today will be preached in this province and it'll be doubtful that there'll be one soul. So there's something wrong. This was the gospel preached in power. This man in these verses, and you can read them, and I'll just give you a wee touch of what I did last week. This man brought them face to face with Christ. He brought them face to face with the death, the burial, the resurrection, the coming again. It's all in the verses. It's all in this short sermon. It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. It's not with enticing words of wisdom, Paul says, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and in power. See, the gospel has a drawing power. The gospel has a convicting power. The gospel has a transforming power. The gospel has a keeping power. And I'm afraid to say that up and down this land today, in many pulpits, there'll be learned men. There'll be men with degrees and diplomas and doctorates and they'll be informing the people and they'll be lecturing the people and they'll be entertaining the people but they'll not be preaching the word of God in power to the people. And the word word tells us in the Old Testament Cursed is he that withholdeth the corn. And Paul says they're handling the word of God deceitfully, diluting it and twisting it, but there's no power. It's a gospel without power. Like the man at midnight in the parable at midnight when he came to me, he had nothing to lay before them. He had nothing to lay be- they have nothing to lay before the hungry people. Milton says the hungry sheep look up and they're not being fed. I heard of a woman who came out of an evangelical church two weeks ago and she said to the one beside her, I'm starved. I tell you, a congregation will never be starved, my friend, if we preach Christ in all his fullness with the power of the Holy Ghost. If we preach Christ as the unique one, as the only one, if we preach him as the unfailing one and the unlimited one and the unspeakable one and the unmovable one and the unchangeable one and the uncomparable one, he's altogether lovely. If we preach Christ... In power, then we can ask for responses and results like this. Look at verse 22 of this chapter. Shall I just show you a minute? I showed you this last week, but we must. I tried to get out of this chapter, but I can't get out of it. Look at verse 22 of this chapter. Here's the message. Now, ye men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, the man. He starts with the humanity of Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. They all knew he was Jesus of Nazareth. 
What good thing can come out of Nazareth? And we'll be talking about now in the next week's Nazareth. The first thing he started was with the humanity of Christ. They all knew him. And then he goes on to the deity of Christ. A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did. He speaks of his deity. And then at the end of that verse you see the apathy because he says, did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, they knew, they knew that he was committing miracle. That was one Nicodemus. He says, we know because of what you do that you're a man sent from God. And these people knew, but it didn't turn them, my friend. And I'm sad to say, but there's somebody in this congregation listening to me this morning, and you know all about the miracles, and you know all about the resurrection, and you know all about the blood, and you know all about the cross, and you're still not saved this morning. And then he goes on to the sovereignty of God that by wicked hands, gone by sovereign, by the determined counsel of will of God, and then he goes on to the cruelty with wicked hands, and then he goes on to the victory, of the resurrection, then he goes on to the authority that he's going to come in verse 25, make the foes his footstool. The whole, the whole, my friend, the whole gospel is here in power. And it was when this gospel was preached and presented in power that they said, what will we do? Do you know what happened here? Do, do, do you know what happened when he preached this message on Christ like this? I'll tell you what happened. The minds, the, the veil over the minds of the people were lifted. That's what happened. The God of this world had blinded the mind, lest the light of the glorious gospel, the gospel of glory, the gospel of glory shines in. The gospel of glory shone in. And that's what happens when a man and woman get saved. That's what happened the morning I got saved. And drunkenness and foolishness and all the rest, blind and dark and cursing and blaspheming. And suddenly, suddenly, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost penetrated my mind and my heart. And I was changed and transformed. And so were you. This is the glory of the gospel. Only multiply it by 3,000. And God can save two is ten and a hundred thousand as quick as he can save one. This is the light of the glory of the gospel. 3,000 at one time, blind and legalistic darkness. He's speaking to the Jews here. This is 1 John 2 and verse 8. This is my wife, Pat, one of her favorite tests, the, uh, scriptures. The darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Hallelujah. My friend, this was a mighty moment. Just in one moment of time, three thousand, the veil was lifted, the blind minds were lifted, and Jesus came. A split second from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, Wesley was right, how long my imprisoned spirit lay. Fast bound in sin and nature's night, thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off and I was free. I rose, went forth and followed. Hallelujah. Don't know if there's anybody out there or not. If ever there was four words needed to be cried out by individual saints and sinners alike, I say to you this morning, from my own heart and from my own mouth, what shall I do? 
And if ever we're going to see conviction, if ever we're going to see repentance, uh, conviction, it's imperative that we have repentance and brokenness. Because that's what has happened here. I wonder, as I've been preaching on revival for the past four, five, eight, I don't know how long. I wonder those who, who listen to me here and elsewhere, I wonder has the sword penetrated? I wonder has the word of God aroused, stimulated, or apprehended, or convicted someone? Maybe, maybe, maybe he has. Maybe when you were reading the word and sitting under the preaching or doing your quiet time, that third of the word got into your soul. And that sword of the word has got into your soul and God speaks to you and that's put in there by the power of the Holy Ghost because the devil wouldn't speak to you, no. I tell you, woe betide you if you don't obey it. Maybe it's been restoring you. Maybe it's been stirring you in regard to repentance, to baptism, to the Lord's table, membership, praying, praising. It's all here. I'm not reading into this. It's all here. Giving, serving, working. Maybe you say like Paul in another context, none of these things move me. Well, if they don't, it's too bad. If it, if it doesn't move you, my dear friend, if these don't move you and me and people listening to messages, if they don't move, there's something terribly, terribly wrong. And we can make all the excuses that we want. But remember this, he or she being often reproved then hardeneth their neck shall suddenly be destroyed. And I'm speaking to you sinners this morning. If the God of heaven has been speaking to you and jagging you with the sword, repent, I say. And then I hear Christians saying, oh, and this is one of the reasons we're in the state that we're in. I hear them saying, well, this is not for us. This here. Well, you back yourself into a corner immediately and say that. Then I come back and I, well, what is for us? And then you start tearing the word of God apart. And you're not a bit better than the modernists and the humanists and the secularists. This, this word is not for, this was just, to, this was just to get the early church going. Well, I was brought under teaching like that. This was just to get the early church going and to get them on the road. When we got saved, we got the Holy Spirit and that's all that we need. Well, pal, I'll tell you this, it wasn't all that Peter needed. Because Peter was saved when he was blaspheming. He was saved when he was bargaining with God. He was saved when he disowned him. And anyway, if you want a scripture verse for it, just you look at verse 39. Look at verse 39. And if there's anything like that would enter into your mind, this verse shall blow it out of it. 
Look at what it says in verse 39. The Holy Ghost knows what to put in. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you. That's to the Jews. He was speaking to Jews. And to your children. That was the Jewish children. And to all that are far off. That's the Gentiles. Ah, but watch this. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I wasn't called at this time. I was chosen at this time. I wasn't called at this time. as over 2,000 years ago. Then there come a moment when God called me and you out of darkness into light. This word is for us. Don't twist it now. This word of being filled with the Holy Ghost and anointed with power is for us. And it's not always, doesn't, sometimes it happens when we're born again, we get filled with the Holy Ghost. But I tell you, most times there's another, I was ten years saved. And I get leak and I get filled. I had to get filled before I go. My friend, we need a fresh anointing, a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost. It says in verse 41, look, they, they and they. Do you know what that wee word they says to me? They. They didn't all. It says they. They that gladly received his word were baptized. Some of them didn't. And that's always been the way. And maybe it's the way here this morning. They. They that gladly received the word were baptized. But to the rest of them, God had spoken. To the rest of them, the sword had got in. To the rest of them, they had seen their need. To the rest of them, they were convicted. And they had to do something about it. Let me read the text I got last Monday from a person that's been baptized here. And there's five being baptized. You'll not be able to identify. I was really blessed in the meeting yesterday morning. I could feel the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. It touched my soul. Can't wait to get baptized and then become a member. I've been asleep for years. But praise the Lord, I'm awake now. May the Lord bless you in the days ahead. Are you awake now? You've been asleep for years under doctrine that you never tested. Here's a person who was quickened. They were stabbed and they cried out, What will I do? And the word came back as sharp as a lance from Peter, Repent and be baptized. Now, friend, if you are saved and you're not baptized, that's the word. I'm not going to get anything for baptizing. I'm not charging you a hundred pound a head. I'm only obeying the word. I want to rub this text in this morning. I don't think we'll get any further. But I want to rub this text in this morning. Let's face it individually head on. Let me turn the text on myself and on you as we close this morning. What are you going to do with the messages that you've heard? Especially about the message of baptism. Do you know for the first 300 years, this baptism by immersion down under the water was the only baptism known? 
was no sprinkling, no pouring, no nothing for 300 years. This was the only baptism. And the early Christians in these days, they didn't believe that they were really saved until they were baptized. And the reason for that was they could say that they were saved and they could just say that they were Christians and they could go along and not say too much. But once they went down into the tank, once they went down in and declared to all around them that they belonged to Christ and they came up into newness of life and they were declaring and manifesting to everybody that they were born, that they were followers of Christ, then that's when the persecution came to them. Do you know what happened to them? They were disinherited from everything that they were owed. Their property was taken away from them. Their family left them. They were persecuted. That never happened until they were baptized because there's a cost to it. It'll not cost you that this morning. Cost my dear wife, her family, and her home. It'll not cost you that this morning. What are you going to do about this? These people were disowned, they were disinherited. The death sentence was passed upon them immediately. What are you going to do with the message? Now let's turn it down a wee bit more personally now. What are you going to do about the money that you owe? Hmm? Or what are you going to do about the money that you stole? Are you going to do anything about that? Are you going to come like the woman years ago over in the barn, weeping, when the move of God was on, weeping? Stole money out of a shop years ago. What are you going to do? You see, there's no use in preaching this to others. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about the income tax? What are you going to do about the farm accounts? What are you going about the fiddling and the diddling that you've been doing now? What are you going to do because there'll be no revival until it's repented of? None whatsoever. What are you going to do with your morals? What are you going to do about the stuff you're watching? Reading, things you're saying, the stuff that's coming out of your mouth, worse than Peter's. Hmm? The Holy Spirit's asking you this morning, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about your manners? What are you going to do about the way you treat your husband, your wife? Your employment, your employee. What about your marriage? I tell you, if you'd have been in on Thursday night, you'd have heard things. And until we get back to these things that Stephen's preaching about, until we get back to these truths, my friend, we may forget about praying and crying for revival. Oh, they all cried out, what are we going to do? When did they cry out? When the Holy Ghost spoke to them. When the 
Christ was brought before them, when the cross was brought before them, when Calvary was brought before them, how can we do this? When he has done so much for us, how can we abandon him? How can we do the things that we do? How can we blaspheme and curse? How can we go on when Christ gave himself for me and saved me? At five minutes, I'm going to open up chapter three. Put your eyes on chapter three. Now, Peter and John. Now, let me tell you the revival's going on. Peter and John must have been watching the clock because they withdrew from all that was going on and they made their way at 3 p.m. to the prayer meeting in the temple. They were going to the prayer. Look at verse 1. Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Three o'clock in the afternoon, the very day, the very hour in the moment, Christ cried, finished. And listen, they're not going up to offer the sacrifices because the sacrifices ended. The sacrifice ended at half past two. They're going up to the prayer meeting. He had cried, it is finished. They're not carrying on with this old stuff. They're going to the prayer meeting. Now see the combination here. Two men who were complete opposites joining together on the way to prayer. They're going to pray. How was that? Well, they'd watched and heard the Master pray. He had taught them how to pray. He had preached unto them in prayer. He had told them that the house of God was a place of prayer. And the two opposites are linked together and they're making the way, even in the midst of all that's going on, to the prayer meeting. Peter the doer, John the dreamer. Peter the impetuous, bold, energetic, fiery man. John the timid, loving, discerning, trustful disciple. In normal circumstances, these men would hardly have tolerated one another. And I think there would be many an hour of silence when they were fishing in the boat. But when the Holy Spirit begins to move, when the Holy Ghost begins to move, my friend, let me get this over to you this morning, the Holy Spirit begins to move, opposites are brought together. And Pat and I are a perfect illustration of that. And forgive me for so many personal illustrations this morning. But Pat and I are perfect illustrations of that together. If you just saw the two of us on the last day of May 1970, 50 years ago next year, walking up the street of Bundoran, going into a meeting, I tell you, there couldn't have been two more opposites. But the Holy Spirit was working. Opposite religiously, opposite morally, opposite politically, opposite personality-wise. But the Holy Spirit began to move. And my friend, when the Holy Spirit began, begins to move, there'll be Roman Catholics, there'll be Sodomites. Whether you like it or not, there'll be Sodomites in the prayer meeting, saved and washed by the blood of Christ.
And it'll be John the Baptist went out preaching and the soldiers came and the prostitutes came and the farmers came and the tax collectors came and Herod, the king, came and heard him gladly when the Spirit's moving. When we had that move of God over there those years ago and those days, my friend, I'm living in them since. When a, a, a Queen's graduate come to me and some of us and said, listen, after the preaching last night, I went to a woman who years and years ago when I was going to primary school, I stole a bottle of lemonade from her front door. He went on to graduate out of Queen's and he, he says, I, I, I never thought of it until that night God spoke to me. He put the R in. He says, I had to go to her. Come to the opposite direction. A man came the same day and he says, I was drawing dung for a farmer that I was working for and I took a load of dung out into the field and I was passing my own house. He says, and I, do, I, I threw in uh, a load of dung and I dropped it off at my own house. And that was years ago too. He says, I done it and God spoke to me about that. And he said, the farmer would have given me all the dung about the place, all the farm manure about the place. I would have asked it. God spoke to him about it. Two opposites. The Holy Spirit work. Love like death has all destroyed. Rendered all distinctions void. Parties, sex, and creeds must fall. But Jesus Christ is all in all. To see these two men going up at the hour of prayer to pray. What a mixture there was in the upper room as well. Mary Magdalene had the demons cast out. Thomas the doubter. Matthew the tax collector. Peter the blasphemer. They were all there. See the combination. Lastly, and I'm finished. You see the commitment. This was the Jewish prayer time. And these men are still living in the old. They're brought up in it. They were nurtured in it. And don't expect people to get away too quick from things that they have been ingrained into them all their days. And we expect far too much of young Catholic converts. Because if you're in the Church of Rome, the length of time that some of them are in the Church of Rome, I'll tell you, old things pass away, but all things don't pass away. And we're so hard on them, we expect them to become Protestants, and God help us. We expect them to do things that we were taught as children and you're taught in this Sunday school and you're taught in the children's meeting things about the word that they never were taught. So don't be too hard on them. These people are still in the old system and David says, I pray morning, evening and at noon and they're still praying morning, evening and at noon. Daniel says, pray three times a day, they're praying three times a day and they're praying in the temple, although the temple's going to be destroyed. Praying in the temple, although Jesus says it is finished, they didn't go near the sacrifices. Thank God they didn't. He offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and the veil was rent in two. That veil was rent in two. They're going in through the open veil to Christ. See the commitment? They were committed to pray. 
The emphasis laid. You, I don't know why, I don't know why. There might be one or two chapters right through the whole book of Acts that you'll get nothing in about prayer. You see, no matter how the blessing was, no matter how good it was, no matter what was happening, and those 3,000 children, I think they must have had to count them when they went down into the waters of baptism. How would they have known there was 3,000 of them? I think they counted them, and I think they recorded them. And, And probably named them. Well, they're away to pray. The way to pray to God. They heard the truth, the tie, the table, the throne in prayer. There's the combination, there was the commitment, and then there's the challenge. And we're going to take into this next week the challenge. They didn't go far until they met a man outside the beautiful gate of the temple. Forty years lame. They didn't go far till they were faced with the devil's power. And we'll be looking at that man next week and seeing him as a picture of so many weak and lame people. There's no authority, no power to do anything until God touches them. May he touch us this morning and may he bless this word to your hearts.